we've done this one before. So as we're going through the song, I really want y'all to shut away. Really think about the Lord's goodness. Think about what he's done for us. So we're going to sing through this, and then there's going to be a a moment for y'all to reflect. And then we're going to come back into the chorus and sing it again. But, But really set your hearts in worship right now. Get your mind and your heart ready to receive what God has to say to us uh, on this blessed Sunday morning. Think about His love. Think about His goodness. Think about His grace. That's brought us through For as high as the heavens above So great is the measure of our Father's love Great is the measure of our Father's love for your limitless love for us. Thank you that it is great. Amen, how great is the measure of our Father's love. You know, He, there's no end to the measure. 
He loves us out of his abundance. And that's the reason that we're able to come and to be here today. Amen. And to worship him. If you will take your Bibles this morning and open them to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Very first book of the Bible, maybe even first page you got there of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And today I want us to take a moment, because we hear all the time about sanctity of human life. They had a, a march up in Shreveport. I know Jason and Becky and uh, your son uh, Cash had an opportunity to go and to be a part of that. And we see signs all around and we hear about the sanctity of human life. Well, if we're going to talk about that, and as Baptists, we believe in the sanctity of human life, I want us to leave here today understanding what that is and to understand why. There is a sanctity of human life. And to do that, I want us to begin with just a a few words so that we can understand that. But what is sanctity? We're going to say that we believe in the sanctity of human life. What is it? But it's the state or the quality of being holy, sacred or saintly. And this one I love the most, ultimate importance and inviolability. What does that mean? The fact or quality of being safe or protected from attack, infringement, destruction, and interference. And when we talk about the sanctity of human life, I don't want you to think that I'm standing here today and I'm just bashing abortion. Because sanctity of human life goes so far beyond that. Because it's not just about the unborn baby. But it's sanctity of human life all the way through life. At any point in life and as people become older and they become elderly, we still believe in the sanctity of human life. Taking an unborn baby is murder. Physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia of an elderly person is murder. And people are due more than that because we believe in the sanctity of life that they have a fact or quality of being safe. What is murder? When we talk about murder, if you look it up, it says murder is the unlawful killing of another human without justification or valid excuse, especially the unlawful killing of another human with malice aforethought. The Ten Commandments, we all say we believe the Ten Commandments says thou shalt not murder. There are some that in the translation says thou shalt not kill. I totally believe that thou shalt not murder is a better rendition because we are given times in life when killing in a war that is justified and needed is one thing. We kill animals so that we may eat them. That is one thing. The death penalty, that is one thing. But what is murder is the fact of taking a life for no reason and with no reason to do it and to even think about it beforehand. Abortion is murder. Taking the life of an unborn baby, that unborn baby hadn't done anything in life to deserve murder. So why the sanctity of life? 
That's what I want us to understand this morning. If you would, please stand with me. Hope you have your Bibles open now to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And let's read this account. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, I know some of these verses, Lord, we're going to look at today, Lord, we've heard many times in our life. But Father, I pray today that you would give us fresh ears. Father, you would allow our hearts to be softened to Holy Spirit. And that, Father, you would help us leave here today with an understanding of what you, God, the ultimate authority, the sovereign, the true Holy One says about life. Father, may you speak to us now. Father, would you truly help me to step aside, Lord, and you speak through me for your glory. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. There are a lot of things that come to mind when we begin to think about the sanctity of human life. We will cover some of those toward the end, some reasons or excuses that people have. But the first thing that I really want us to do, we're going to spend our time on, is we're going to look at three things that we can get out of Genesis chapter 1 that we just read about the sanctity of life and understanding why life is sanctified. Why are we holy? Why are we special? What is different about us than the rest of God's creation. Did you know we're different? God created us different than he did the rest of the creation. So this morning, let's begin. The first thing is, uh, when we look at the sanctity of human life, why is that? Because God created it. Let's just start with the very beginning. God created us in his image. We are not formed out of some kind of palm scum and two swimming little things and they're decided to join together and begin to multiply. I would even have to say if that's how it happened, God designed those things and everything in life has an order and a design that's all created by a designer and that's God himself regardless of what the world teaches. But I truly believe that God spoke us and created us in his own image. We see that there at verse 26. Then God said, let us 
make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What do we see when it says that God created us in his image? This is where we have to begin. If we're going to understand all these things, we need to understand, well, what's in his image? What do we know about God in his image? But he's a triune God. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we are created as human beings, as mankind on earth, we are created in that image. We're creating that image in many ways. One of them, because we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you can look at us as humans and we're what? Body, soul, and spirit. There are three parts to us. We're created in His image. Some Reformed theologians say it this way. I don't think they're too far off. In the spirituality of His being as an intellect and free agent. In the moral integrity and holiness of his nature and in his dominion over the creatures. There are three things. We're spiritual. We are created with a free will. We are created with a right to choose and a right to reject. Just as it comes into anything with life, it comes to salvation. God's offered it to all, but we must choose salvation. God calls us. Also in the more integrity and holiness, God made us holy. We see throughout scripture of that. And in his dominion, God has dominion. He's created us as creatures to have dominion over the earth. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So God created us in his image in this triune state, these three parts. He created us unique. And many creators different than the others. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our own image. In Genesis 1.21, he said, God created the great sea monsters and living, living creature. When you go through the first account of creation, Genesis 1 all the way through 31, you see the creation of everything that's ever been created. And in all of that creation, you'll see where it says God created, God spoke, God did this. But when it comes to human mankind, it says, let us make. Now you might say, Pastor, you're just playing on words. Created, he did that too. Make, what's the difference? Yeah, created and make are the same, but I believe there is a distinct enough difference because the writer in Hebrew used two different words. God made us. He formed us. He fashioned. We see that the animals came and were created, but he made us in a special way. You know, it's we're unique. Listen to this from Psalm 139. For you form my inward parts, You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book 
were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So let's pause right here comes a tricky question when we come to the idea of sanctity of life. When does human life begin? All of us sitting in this room, I'm almost positive, would say life begins at what? Conception. Well, I'm glad you know that. Why? Who told you that? When you're confronted with that, can you defend that? Or is it I've been raised in church all my life and mama beat my backside to get me to understand. But no, it tells us right here in Psalms that he formed us in our mother's womb. It says my frame wasn't hidden from you. The the skeleton, the structure of the one he was creating. And it says your eyes have seen my unformed substance even before there was a skeleton. And in your book were... All written the days that were ordained for me. Guess what? Before you were born, your days were already numbered. You're unique. God loves you as an individual. As a person, each of us have a set number of days. How dare us to decide that we're God and try to change any of that. Because you see, we're created in him. God is the ultimate sovereign and the designer of life. And if he designs it, then it's special, it's unique. You see, the first thing we see is that God created us in his image. The second thing I want you to understand is God gave. See, God gave man a purpose. He didn't just create man for no reason. He created man for a purpose. To have relationship with him. To bring glory to him. But more than that, let's take a look there at Genesis 1 and uh, verse 28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, man was created to reproduce. God created us. He created us specific. And here's the one that might get an uproar outside. You see, man was created to reproduce, which is only possible if it's done in God's design. You know, he didn't just happen chance make it. He made us unique. What does it tell us? Verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of him, he created him What's your Bible say? Male and female. Not she-male or he-male or whatever else you want to do or whatever. He created male and female and he created male a certain way. He created the body to function a certain way, the anatomy to be a certain way. He created a female to function a certain way and her anatomy to be a certain way. And a male and a female come together perfectly. And in God's eyes, when a man and woman comes together, it's glorious in his design, which is in a marriage of one man and one woman together. So sanctity of life, the way that he has created it. Do you know that when a woman is born, y'all listen to this one. When a woman is born, every egg she will have 
is already inside of her. Unique, special. God created us in his image in this triune nature, in the nature to know right from wrong, in a nature to choose, a a nature to rule over. You see, he gave us a purpose, and that was to rule over the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. What does he tell us there in 28? said, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Here it is. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on it. Three times. Uh Uh-oh. There we go again. There's this triangle. Three times he told us. You rule over the sea. Everything that's in the sea. We rule over the sky and the birds of the sky. Every moving thing that's on the earth. You see, we have dominion. Over the rest of all of God's creation. He created us special and he created us unique. Part of that image said let us create man and our image is to rule over the earth. God created it. God's sovereign. He rules over it. And he has us while here on earth as humans to be good stewards following in his design to rule over the earth. Aren't you glad the deer don't tell you what to do? Or the snake, because I promise you one thing. If the snake told us what to do, I'd never do anything because I'm too scared of him. I wouldn't listen to him. He wouldn't get close enough. But you see, that's part of how God created is for us to rule over what he has created. He gave Christ rule and authority. And he called us to be good stewards of that. So God made, God gave And thirdly, God saw. You see, God saw that his creation of man was very good. Look there at verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Church, there's so much great tied up in that one little verse God said it was very good. Day one through five, go back and read when we're not here, ends with just this saying. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. There was evening and there was morning the third day. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. There was evening and morning the fifth day. Day six... It was very good. You see, animals were created day six. God said it was good. But when it come to mankind, he said it was very good. God was pleased with you, his creation. There is a sanctity to life because God created humankind in a special way. You know what else the reason that there needs to be a sanctity of life? Do you know what else is so interesting and unique and great about us humans? God spent 6 days creating everything. The last thing he created, the ultimate climax of all of God's creation was mankind. You to think about it. you are his ultimate prize. Life in human is God's ultimate design and final climax of all of creation. You know, God's creation builds, it didn't just happen, 
in any sort of sense. Everything about God is by design and by order. Let's follow through with me just for a moment and look at creation. What do we know before anything was created but there was what? God. And it was dark. Could any of you get around here if it was pitch black? I mean no light. There was nothing. There was a void. So in God's mind he said first thing I need to do day one let's make light. Praise the Lord he made light. And then day two you just got the light. He decides that it's time to make the sky. He separated the water and the sky instead of it just all being one. Day three he made the land and the plants in that order. Can you imagine if he made plants without land, where are they going to grow? He made land, and then God made the plants. On day four, he then made the sun. Guess what? The plants need sunlight. They live off of sunlight. Then he made the moon and the stars. He made them in this order so that there could be seasons. And you could tell one day from the next day. The greatest one being the sun, it says. The second one being the moon. So now we have light. We have sky. We have water. We have land. We have plants. We have the sun and the moon to help us orbit and to keep us warm and to guide and to light. Day five, he made the animals and the sky animals. The animals in the water. The sky, you see it's beginning to build And then comes day six. He created beasts or animals to walk on the the land. We need food. We need things to help reproduce life in that nature. But the very last thing, the ultimate climax of all he did was human life. Now do you not believe That if the ultimate climax of all of God's creation is human life, that there does not need to be a sanctity of human life. There doesn't need to be something special about that. And then day seven. This might be my, well, day six is probably my most favorite because he created me. But day seven, he rested. Part of his design. He created us in his image. Guess what that tells me? I need rest too. That's why he gave us the Sabbath. A day to rest. It's important that we do that. We can work our life straight into the grave by not taking a rest. It's not how we were designed. So there's something very special about human life. And sanctity of human life, I believe, is very important according to God's word. This is contrary to world today. Ultimate, absolute authority right here. There is an absolute in life. I think I shared this the Wednesday night sometime back. I love these people who say that there is no absolute truth. Well, you just said that there was an absolute because there's no absolute truth. They, they can't even get it together. But you can go from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation and there's no contradiction. It all works in order. 
Do you know even the Bible was put together? God inspired men to write. And they wrote under the inspiration of Holy Spirit the books of the Bible that we have. But it goes beyond that. God inspired men years ago to put the Bible in an order. It didn't just happen. It's a much a part of it. Well, why is that? Start with 1-1. One, one. God created man. God created a perfect world. And you're not very far into it when all of a sudden man messed up. And the entire Bible is showing God's grace and God's mercy. The entire Bible is showing God's great perfect plan of redemption. And it ends with God coming to take man home to be with him. The whole Bible is in a very specific order. Life has design in order to it. There needs to be that sanctity of human life. There needs to be that fact or quality of being safe and protected from attack. A baby inside the womb, let's just take a moment and be honest, can do nothing for himself. We have to be proactive in saving lives. There are women all around that think it is an inconvenience. So let me just get rid of it. No. Let me say that again. No, it's not an inconvenience. God is the giver of life. Well, I was raped. Well, I'm glad God is the giver of life. You're not going to get pregnant just because it happens. God is the one that ordains that. You have some that say, well, you know, nowadays they want to go in and let's go in and take a little test before you have your baby. You know, just maybe your baby will come out and he might have a little retardation. Let's just go ahead and end that. We don't want to, we don't want to deal with that. Maybe your baby's going to have some kind of deformity and life's going to be difficult. Life is given by God. And God orchestrates everything. Galatians 6.2. Listen to this. Bear one another's burdens... And thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another. We need as believers to come alongside people. There are going to be babies in this life born with retardation or some kind of mental illness or some kind of difficulty. Great. Let's gather around them as believers and do what God called us to do. And to love on them and to help them. Not get rid of it. Some dear friends of mine had a child, had Down syndrome. You can tell me whatever you want to say about a baby with Down syndrome. They're the most loving people of all kind. I mean, she'll put a smile on your face in a heartbeat. So what? Well, sanctity of human life as I began doesn't just end and start with an unborn baby. About that elderly parent. I mean, it's just too much trouble. I mean, come on. They're sick. They're in a bed. They have no form of life. They're on all of these machines. Or maybe the older person themselves. I'm just tired. I'm ready to be done. It's not our decision. 
God giveth life, God taketh life. We need to protect not only the unborn baby, but we need to be advocating and protecting the elderly. Day in and day out, elderly people are still, even today, having doctors assist them in suicide and doctors murdering elderly people just because it's an inconvenience, just like a baby, just because there may be something wrong with them, just because they're tired. Baloney, God gives life. We need to come alongside them and help. You see, sanctity of life is important. If you don't believe the sanctity of life, then I'm going to just take a bold statement real quick. If you don't believe in the sanctity of life, I'm going to say you don't believe in this right here. Because it's what it talks about. Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelations again is talking about what? Mankind. Now I know today... When sermons are preached about this and when this talks about it evokes a bunch of emotions. Some of them anger and bitterness. Some of them hurt and resentment. Because there are people around who have had an abortion. Well, pastor, you just told me it's murder. What am I to do with my life now? I didn't understand. I was young. He, he pressured me into it. My, my parents made me. I mean, we can go down a list, but the fact remains that there's hurt. And let me tell you, a lady who has had an abortion grieves forever. I don't care what they tell you when you go into clinic. Oh, give us a few minutes. It'll all be done. Everything. No, it will not. You will grieve. And there will be hurt. But I stand here to tell you that mankind is described all throughout this. And the whole thing of this book is about redemption. It's about forgiveness. It's about love. It's about mercy. It's about grace. What about this one? Out of John 8, 10, and 11. You heard the story about the adulterous woman? Woman's called an adulterous relationship. Church leaders bring her, throw her down at the feet of Jesus. Now they're not going to bring the man. I don't know what they did with him. I guess it's okay for him. But they're going to bring this lady, throw her down at the feet of Jesus, basically call her a harlot, and say, God, the law says we're to stone her. What are we to do? She was caught in the very act of adultery. What does Jesus, John 8, 10 and 11, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? Remember he wrote in the sand, first one, throw the stone where they all left. Listen to this. This is what she said. No one, Lord. And then Jesus said this. I don't condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. Abortion, helping an elderly, or anyone through life is not the unforgivable sin. Our Lord is about forgiveness. He's about grace. Amen. 
Not only do we need to come alongside mothers who are dealing with difficulties or mothers who are thinking about abortion and love and encourage them and elderly people, we need to come along and take care of them. But we also, church, need to come along beside women who have had abortions and love them and let them know that they're still human. God still loves them. There is forgiveness if they will repent. But you know, just in ending this, there's one other category, I believe, or it might be a word, that we need to come alongside of and to love on and to help them know that there's forgiveness, and that's the men. Oftentimes, all we talk about is the women and abortion. Man and woman, they come together. Two of them created a baby. That man deals with it too, I promise you. But there's forgiveness for all. There is a need for the sanctity of human life. We are created in his image. God created us special. Above all other creation. God gave us a task to to be fruitful and multiply, to come together as man and woman in in a marriage. And to subdue and to rule the earth. And then God saw. Let me tell you, I want each of you to look right here. God saw. And it was very great. So what does that mean? God saw you. And you, church, are very great. Yes. That, church, is why we need sanctity of life. May you bow your heads. Father God, how thankful I am, Lord, that you, Lord, you created us special and unique. Father, we are your ultimate creation. Father, I'm sorry. Father, where we fail you. In bringing glory and honor, Father, and living up to what you called us to do. Father, today as we think about this sanctity of life, Father, I pray that there are those in this room that at this very moment, Lord, they would commit, Lord, to this sanctity of life and pushing and helping lead the way, Father, because this world is turning against that idea. But Father, my heart breaks that if there's someone, Lord, in this room today, Lord, someone that's listening, that Father, maybe they have had an abortion. Or Father, maybe they've been a part of an abortion. Or maybe they pushed a a girl to have an abortion. Or maybe someone listening, Lord, that's worked at an abortion clinic and Lord, that you would help them to understand that there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. That, Father, that they would cry out to you today in repentance. That, Father, Lord, you could relieve that burden and, Father, heal them. Restore them. Father, maybe there's someone here today that, Lord, they don't know you. 
And Father, this really doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to them. But Father, you are real. And Father, would your Holy Spirit convict right now, Lord. Father, I just pray that today would be a day of change. In all of our lives, Father, as we renew our commitment to you. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.